Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tauber Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. Now, on to the show. Welcome back to another fantastic guest that's joining us today from Vancouver. We have the amazing Lucy, who is a PhD candidate at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, and she is studying bamboo industry development. And she is also one of our board of directors, and she is a a very strong, passionate, and heartfelt leader that is a big part of this organization. So Lucy, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Hello, thank you for that very kind welcome. <laughs> I'm blushing here. <laughs> yeah, well, I from the moment you joined the board of directors, you bring such a, you know, a, a different type of passion to the organization. And as part of the leadership that is constantly looking at how we can do better, you bring your own experiences with warm showers and bike touring and your very unique um, bike, which we're going to talk about today. You bring really great experience to the organization and to be able to share your story today is is exciting. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting stuck in. So tell me, like, share with everyone, how did you get started in bike touring? Like, where where did that begin for you on your journey? How I got started in bike touring. So I've always been kind of someone who likes to cycle around. I grew up in the Lake District in England, which is a very hilly but very beautiful area. So I was kind of got a little little bit into cycling uh, growing up. And then when I was studying, obviously, just cycle around, commute, um, go and bike rides at the weekend, that kind of thing. And I always kind of had a dream of going bike touring, but it was a kind of a big, um, like, big mental leap for me, uh, mainly from the point of view of I was just scared something would go wrong. I didn't really think I could do it. Um, and when I moved to China after my master's degree, I had kind of a big dream, like what would be great is to be able to cycle from China back to the UK when I eventually went moved home. But the way it worked out is that I ended up living in China for five years. I was never going back to the UK. So mm. I didn't manage to do that big cycle, but I did like finally manage to go on a long tour across uh, China, Kyrgyzstan and Kazakhstan, uh, which took me about three months. That was back in 2018. So that was really the moment when I kind of started to become passionate about bike touring. Um, but as for warm showers, even before uh, I went on a, a long tour myself and I was just doing little weekend rides and that kind of thing, um, I started to host quite a few warm showers cyclists in my flat in Beijing, even back in the UK. Sometimes I would, I would host a few times. And that was a really nice way to connect with the community as when you're living somewhere so far away, somewhere so different, um, which was a really nice kind of way to keep connected, to help people out, to offer, offer a place to stay. Um, I always really enjoyed that. Like often younger people, like same as me, kind of in a similar situation. Um, so yeah. And then finally, a couple of years ago, I kind of got approached to be part of the board of directors, which was a kind of new step up with my involvement in warm showers. And that's been a really great way to keep in connected with the bike touring community, even when I'm here kind of doing my PhD, not able to take any long tours or anything. Um, and it's been really fulfilling, really interesting. My first time uh, being 
a member of a board of directors or this kind of high level organization management type of thing. And it's been really fantastic. So yeah, that's a short, yeah. that's a little, a big summary, I would say. That, that, yeah, that's the short story. Yeah. That, um, I'll go back. I have a couple of questions about China, but I'll just say that, um, yeah, being a part of a board of directors with an organization like Warm Showers is unique because we are so internationally focused. So we have directors from all over the world. And like I said, there's there's often not a lot. First of all, there aren't a lot of women. There haven't traditionally been a lot of women on our board of directors. And, and even on this podcast, you know, we, we probably have one female cyclist or host for every 10 yeah. male that uh, males that apply. And we know that that is sort of how the, the, the cycle touring is industry wide anyway. So it's refreshing to have you here and on the show. Um, okay. So let's circle back. I want to know, like, why, how did you end up in China following your master's? How did that come to be? Yeah, that was never planned. And it's actually kind of a, a, a lightning bolt of fate, how it all happened. Um, I was just studying for my master's and my master's degree was part of a, a program at the time in the UK where we um, did a master's degree in the UK. And then there was a six month uh, internship that kind of attached to it. And it was all paid for with a stipend. And obviously, uh, I, I don't know if you've <laughs> have an advanced degree, but it's so expensive. Like that's the biggest barrier for, to doing the masters. So the fact that there was a stipend attached to it was probably the biggest reason why I took that degree course. Um, I was studying environmental science, but alongside the degree, de degree course, it was also courses in business, courses in Chinese language, um, culture, uh, quite design as well. Like quite uh, quite a few things that were not really like within my field of interest um and then we all got the chance to go to China for six months to Guangzhou afterwards um and to be honest everyone else on the degree course went home after those six months um there's some parts of it that would like I wasn't really involved my internship I did like was not really a passion for me but it was really really hard to move there with very little language skills and no network and stuff um but I don't know something in me was just like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna stay here and just like <laughs> find out like find out what's yeah. going on and try to make a life here so then I moved to Beijing to work for a Chinese NGO ended up working for them for two years it was a very cool experience um I was traveling around quite a lot and learned Chinese quite well um Although it was very badly paid, like NGO work. Um, yes, after, as, as <laughs> we know. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to talk about money too much, but that was, yeah. yeah but it was a great chance to really like explore the country and really have a lot of opportunities. That's quite rare to go to lots of different places. Um, and yeah, I ended up uh, getting another job in um, this bamboo organization afterwards, like after my trip, uh, which is how I was kind of the seeg into the world of uh, bamboo research, which is now kind of my passion and the field I'm working in so it ended up ended up really well just through some twists and turns as it does yeah right as it does so talk to us about the bamboo study like how did that come about um yeah so the 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 main how I became into the bamboo world is through my bike which is kind of my one of my greatest passions for cycling and like and environmental work that coming together. Um, I found out when I was planning for my longer trip there in Beijing, um, I wanted to do everything in like the most low impact, like sustainable way, like kind of see what I could do, um, but also keep it affordable as well. And at the time there was a workshop in Beijing that was closing down. It'd been open for like five years and it was 
closing down at the moment when I was looking around. So I got in contact with them and they said, oh, we just, we don't have any more workshops, but anyway, the workshop costs like a couple of thousand dollars, but you can have this frame that's just hanging up on the, like they were closing down the workshop and there was one frame like left that was going to actually perfectly fit me. So I put it together with the guys in the workshop. They were super kind. Um, shout out to Mowgli, who is still working in, I think, Shanghai or Guangzhou now, but uh, the Beijing workshop is like closed down. Um, and they, yeah, they were super nice. And I didn't know anything about how to put together a bike, how to get stuff. Um, I was searching around for like secondhand stuff for the bike for ages. And it was a really like long process. And definitely from the, my point of view, like had no idea what I was doing. I had to, I had to I remember I had to find some wheels and someone told me like oh those wheels are so bad and I was like what is a bad wheel like how what do you mm-hmm. like I had no idea about any bike part or anything so I kind of put it together myself and started to ride the bike around Beijing um so the frame is made completely of that hollow bamboo that's steam treated and the joints are made of a carbon fiber tape so the joints are I think quite strong and then the the frame itself is just like the hollow bamboo. It's barely even treated at all compared to, it's just looks mm-hmm. like it's made of bamboo. So it's kind of a cool thing. Um, it's obviously an interesting material from the point of view of material, uh, phys- uh, physical properties, but also it looks kind of so natural and so interesting. Mm-hmm. It's not what people expect that you're going to be riding around the country on the bamboo bike. So it's a conversation starter as well. Um, and yeah, that's how I started to be interested in bamboo so I thought well I can make bikes what else could it make and as a coincidence when I got back to Beijing I was my visa was kind of running out and I was like needing a new job I didn't really know what what I was going to do and yeah the job came up at the International Bamboo and Rattan Organization um, to work there and it was kind of like wow everything come together just go cycle around for three months on a bamboo bike and then suddenly get a job like in the bamboo organization. Mm-hmm. Obviously, obviously that's like meant to be, that's destiny. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah. And then it yeah, took the job and that's, that's where I am. So I, I'm sure it was a conversation starter when people see you riding a bike made of bamboo, they must stop you and say, what? <laughs> like, how is yeah, that all the time. holding together? Like, how is that? Yeah. Do you still ride that bike now? Yes. It's pretty battered now. It's got, it did get some cracks. Um, the thing about bamboo is I think when the weather is very dry or there's like a big difference between cold and hot, it can get cracks. So I've tried mm-hmm. to fix the cracks, but it's never had, you know, it's never broken. I've ridden it now for more than four years, I think five years. I've ridden it thousand thousand kilometers it does look a bit beat up but that's part of the charm and I do think like I hope that it's it's not as valuable to any bike thief than it is to me so so far so far it hasn't been stolen thank goodness they might just look at it and think what I don't even know what to make of that so I'm not gonna touch it I'm gonna leave it I hope they think that yeah yeah yeah. so out of all the touring you did when you were in China, and I know that you went to um, Kyrgyzstan and other locations, like what was your like what was your favorite, or even what was what was the trip that or part of the trip that made you feel that you overcame the most to be able to do that? Um, there's definitely a few challenges. I was with a friend for most of the time, um, so we kind of faced stuff together, which made it a lot easier. Um, physically, it was fine although I'm not very good at uh, altitude <laughs> so I had quite a few like points where we were cycling at altitude and I would have to like stop and throw up um so physically mm-hmm. that was a bit hard but the the that wasn't I mean that that's kind of by the by um I think the most difficult thing is one for me like fixing stuff 
I'm just terrible at it. And I have like, it makes me feel bad trying to fix things. But so when I manage to fix something, then I feel really, really good. Um, I don't know if that, probably most of your guests are like, yeah. not like that. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. I think a lot of people embark on, on tours and, and don't know how to fix and have to learn. Yeah. And then when you learn it, that feels really good, like overcoming it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing about the trip that we took, like we did try, I don't know if this is like appropriate to talk about, but we did travel through the province of Xinjiang, which is where there's like a lot of government oppression of Muslim mm-hmm. populations. And that was really, really hard just to, because from the point of view of you were traveling on the highway and you're not really allowed to go off. So are you not allowed to talk to people and there's a lot of police presence. And mm. this is back in 20. 20- did, this- did they monitor you not talking to people? Yeah. People would like come up to, to us, whether it's local police or there's a lot of local police. And it was also really tough to find a place to stay. Um, and you have to register every, every time you are. And if you're talking to like, if you're trying to find a place to sleep, that's not an official hotel, then you kind of might risk getting people in trouble and that kind of thing. Um, I think this, like the situation on the ground has probably changed a lot since 2018 when I was traveling, but that was a really, really challenging experience for me because yeah, at the end of the day, it just didn't feel good to be there, like in the way of people when all that stuff with the government was going on. Um, which, but also it was a very memorable experience and definitely opened my eyes to how it felt, how it feels to be in this controlled environment. If you're not used to that, mm-hmm. we kind of think we're free. And then we, when we go to that place, the police presence is so heavy, constantly having to explain yourself to police and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, that, I didn't find that very easy. And it definitely stuck with mm-hmm. me for a long time. I, I often think that part of touring is when you experience other cultures, it really opens your eyes to um, how special it is that, you know, many of us in the Western world um, live and it brings perspective. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, even also, cause obviously I've been living in Beijing for, mm-hmm. for several years and just the privilege that I'd had to, to even to be able to like freely just move around there and kind of do what I want. It, it was, it's actually shocking to think about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, we all know people who haven't traveled or visited new locations and it it, it can create sort of a more limited um, viewpoint. Although I like to think that that's a big piece of why our hosts are so involved with cyclists that come through and stay with them because they're getting that flavor and that taste of other cultures just by having visitors, even if they haven't been somewhere else. It is very, um, I want to say it's mind opening, but truly it's heart opening. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm a bit hesitant to say that like the act of just traveling by itself would make your mind more open because obviously mm-hmm. you could e- you could equally not travel but still have those experiences like being a warm house host or other. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's plenty of people that do travel a lot that also <laughs> that it didn't work like this. It still didn't. Yes, get. true. I, and I it also depends on where you go and what type of yeah. travel. I mean, if we're talking bike touring, it's it's different. But yeah, that that's you're you're absolutely correct. There's lots of perspectives in there. But in your case, you experienced something that was hard for you, but also hard for what you knew people were living with. Yeah, 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 really. And then obviously, when I got back, it was an opportunity to do a bit more research about the area and become a bit more educated. So that was definitely an opportunity. Yeah. And so, and, and after that, anything else that had more like bigger revelations or experiences that stayed with you? Um, so after that, when we got through to Kazakhstan and we were in Kyrgyzstan in the mountains, it was kind of easier. It felt like easier, easier going. It was just very mountainous, very, very beautiful. People were so welcoming, wonderful. 
Um, yeah, I'm going to talk about another dark thing. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, also, no. I also had like a really terrible experience with sexual harassment when I was traveling by myself and I spit, spit from my friend and she went to do the Pashmere Highway, which I, did, I didn't get the chance to do because I had another uh, obligation. So she was traveling like in the mountains by herself, very brave. And then I traveled back through China um, and on the border, yeah, I had a very, very bad experience that was really scary. But I don't know if that's like a revelation or <laughs> oh, it's more just horrible. It was really, oh, it was really I bad. I mean, how, well, you know, without, you, you don't have to go into the details if you don't want, but is there anything that you learned from that that you could share with other listeners for other females that may come across that situation? Is there anything that you can share that would be helpful for them to know? Um, yeah, I guess like you could, you can kind of pretend that like, oh, you want to be a badass independent woman. And like, yeah, obviously traveling by yourself can be wonderful in so many ways. But like, yeah, it is kind of a, always a bit of a, a risk. And the part, the, the the thing that I kind of took with it was like, yeah, this horrible thing happened. But like, I I, I got out of it fine. Like, I did, I, it was, you just, I, I mean, it was, it was really horrible in the moment, but I got out of it fine. And the other thing is like, I really, um, I was very scared to, in the moment, to, like stick up for myself because I was very alone and there was a lot of people around that weren't doing anything, um, which was horrible. Um, and I don't, still to this day, I don't know why, because I, there were not, it was in like, they were speaking in Kyrgyz, I didn't speak it. So I, I don't know what was happening, but yeah. And and I got very, very like angry and actually hit the guy and it was in the middle mm. of the night, which was I was so scared to do that, but that was the thing that worked. So I don't know if I'd say like do that because that could have gone really badly, but mm-hmm. that that worked in the moment. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Your, your survival instincts took over. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you for sharing. I mean, we know that there are always challenges when we embark on something big in our life, like a, a tour in a, in a foreign country. And so thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I want to say as well, like most of the people that we met were just so welcoming to the point of of like absurd, like you could not believe just how lovely they were and so wonderful. Um, but obviously, just even if it's one small, it doesn't have to be very bad for you to feel really bad. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but most people were just so fantastic, and like even people would just be helping us out and giving us food. And yeah, obviously, you know how it is. Like bike touring is some yeah. somehow like an, a gateway into this world of like extreme generosity. That's so surprising. So that's the main thing that comes from it. So yes. I don't want to say like yes, negative. <laughs> totally. No, totally. We and, and we know that, which is why I appreciate yeah. you sharing because we talk a lot about on this podcast everybody's, you know, wonderful experiences. And sometimes we delve into, you know, what what are some of the experiences that were challenging? Because I think that when you share challenging experiences that you've had, then other people might be more aware for the for for their own trip or their own tour that they might come across a situation that doesn't feel great and are able to maybe avoid it by sharing. So thank you for that. That's okay. Today's episode is brought to you by bikeflights.com, the leading bicycle shipping service and bike box supplier for cyclists. You'll enjoy low costs, excellent service, and on-time delivery with every shipment. And you get preferred handling for your high-value bikes, wheels, and gear. As a brand built around a love for the outdoors, they are committed to reducing environmental impact and every bike flight's shipment is carbon neutral. Join the nearly 1 million cyclists who have used bike flights to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009 and see how easy it is to book, manage, and track all of your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today for more information and to book your shipment. 
Now back to the show. So moving on to Vancouver. Yeah. So how did how did we get from getting a job in the bamboo industry after riding the bamboo bike mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to studying bamboo industry development in Canada? Um yeah, so it's weird, but Canada is well, Vancouver, the University of British Columbia specifically, is the kind of um, one center for bamboo research in in the world, or it's becoming so um, mainly because of the the research group that I'm part of, which is bamboo applica- applications and manufacturing. And most of the researchers in my group here are like material scientists, basically doing more like they're working in the lab on samples and that kind of thing. So I'm a bit of the odd one out, but I'm building a bit of network here as well. Um, there's three main other groups as well that also are working on bamboo forest, forest management or more kind of uh, consumption or value chain, that kind of thing. Um, so I just saw that there was a, an ad for, or a call for applications for PhD students for this particular group. And that also was a very wide remit um, to kind of do whatever you want to do with bamboo. Um, and that's when I was working in, in Beijing and my partner is Canadian. So we met in China and I think we were both a bit um, looking for, you know, we we were maybe thinking that our time in China was over or like we were ready to move back um, and thinking about how we were going to do it. And not, it was quite scary because obviously two different countries, like we, the, the regulations are difficult. I know that going to the UK with your partner it's really difficult and it kind of seemed really daunting. So then when I saw the opportunity, I thought like, yes, I'm going to take it because mm. yeah, then it was an opportunity for us both to move back. Obviously then he doesn't have to worry about visa stuff. And yeah. And we also really were attracted to Vancouver because it's very beautiful and it's a yes. rock climbing capital. <laughs> and yes. I'm into, I like, I like rock climbing. So I was very passionate. I didn't know obviously how expensive it was going to get. So, mm. <laughs> but mm. yeah, how could you? Vancouver is, Vancouver is a very special place. Is, <laughs> I've been to Vancouver. I love Vancouver. Yeah, it's and, nice. You know, being, you know, being located in Colorado, um, there's a lot of oh, yeah. Vancouver other than the fact that there's water and there's coast. Um, there's a lot of the energy, or I'll even just say the type of community feel yeah. of the mountainous areas that's similar. At least it used to be back in the days when I grew up in Colorado. Colorado's a little different mm. now as all of our places are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love Vancouver. I can see why you love it. Yeah. I mean, it's great. It was yeah, it, it's very, very different to our life before and very interesting. And I'm really into the the, the research I'm doing. It's um, kind of hopefully doing something that I find interesting that's going to be useful later. And this whole, yeah, I, the whole world of bamboo is a, a whole whole ecosystem by itself. So that's kind of but interesting. Tell us, place. where does bamboo actually grow? <laughs> I mean, this, is Not this here. a silly question? Okay, because I was going to say, is this a silly question? Because I, I'm trying, like, where does bamboo grow? Can you tell me that? I need to, I need to know where bamboo grows. I can grows. tell you. Okay, so the, okay. The, the thing you need to know about bamboo is there's like 1,600 different species. Um, so they'll grow like anywhere in the tropics. So the answer is no, they don't really grow in Canada, sadly. But they, in the US, there's quite a lot of species which grow, grow really well. But because Vancouver's got such a strong Asian community and the, the university has a lot of links with China, so... The for one thing, a lot of people are growing bamboo as decoration. Um, I actually don't know if that's to do with the Asian community, but I assume it is because I've never like in the UK we don't really have like bamboo mm-hmm. growing that much mm-hmm. as de- for decoration. But it's often seen in, in gardens here, 
Um, and then the university has strong links with uh, universities in China. So that's often where they get it from. But bamboo grows in Latin America, in Central America, in Africa, and all across Asia. Um, so it's different species like do better in different environments. There's mountainous species, there's lowland species. Um, yeah, there's ones which are cold hardy. Um, but the, the bamboo that usually is used to make the products that you buy will often be grown in China. Mm. That's kind of the typical industrial. Okay, bamboo. so now see all this makes sense. How this all came yeah. together for yeah. you? Like, okay, I, I that that helps a lot because I'm thinking, wow, I'm trying to think of where I've even. I spent a lot of time in nature, and I'm trying to think, have I even seen bamboo? <laughs> I I might have, but um, maybe I didn't know what it was. I didn't know that were the, there were that many species of bamboo. So now I'm gonna have to go on a hunt and find where can I experience some real live bamboo. You're getting your bamboo education right here. <laughs> I love it. I actually love it because it's. So so impressive about your bike. Um, we're hoping, if possible, Lucy, if you have a photo of you yeah, and your bamboo send bike, yeah. yeah, send it, and we'll we'll include that with this show so people can see what it looks like. Because now that we've talked about it so much, having oh, a visual is always nice. So, if people yes. are interested, there's loads of so the the kind of new generation of bamboo bikes is a whole other thing than mine. Like mine is the old school, like just made of bamboo kind of thing. But the newer. Um, the newer, like more treated ones, or, or they could be even made out of an engineered bamboo. So it's not just the hollow comb, like the, the, the stem of the bamboo. It's more like, uh, it could be like splits, like pieces of bamboo all glued, glued together to make the frame. And those ones are super strong, super functional, so beautiful, so stylish. Um, so I will try and find a couple of companies maybe that sell them because maybe people are interested. That would <laughs> so be great. It's cool would... to ride around yeah. on <laughs> Yeah, we would love to include that in the show notes and not to talk about not just that, but I mean, even environmentally, like, because you are so focused on sustainability, I mean, your your work, your trips, everything that you're doing is built around that. So I, I really like the idea of sharing a couple of resources. Yeah, the other thing is that also in bamboo producing areas, is there are some like community enterprises which are supporting local livelihoods as well. Um, a particularly good uh, example in Ghana, the Boomers Bikes, which is employing a lot of women to make them or teaching the local women how to make the bamboo bikes. So I'd like to share that one as well. That would be amazing. Well, Lucy, this has been great. Thank you. Thank you for... First of all, let's let's give you a big thank you for volunteering your time to no help worries. provide strategic direction to the organization. Your contribution at the board level is appreciated, and I very much enjoy working with you, as does everyone else. So thank you for that. That's for the first thank you. Oh, thank you. I really enjoy it as well. It's a very good opportunity for and me then, as well. And then the second thank you is for giving us your time, for sharing your expertise, your truth, your experiences, and your story and coming on the show. We appreciate that too. No worries. Thank you. It's been great. All right. Thank you. And those that are listening, if you want to learn more about um, the bamboo bikes or even how to get in touch with Lucy, we are going to put all of the links in the show notes. So go check those out and we will be back again soon. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.